Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Workplace wellbeing matters more than ever as people from all sectors are making health-led decisions that are more valuable perhaps than power, money and status. Having experienced her own life-changing burnout, Sally describes herself as a burnout survivor, now thriver. Her own journey to recover inspired her health coaching practice, Health That Heals. So my guest today, Sally McGrath, has not one experience but has had three with burnout. She's beat them all and so far remains very much that thriver. She's got a lifelong passion for health and well-being and has guided and supported individuals and teams to treat burnout and prevent burnout, sharing resources that empower the individual to identify what needs to change to reduce that risk of burnout. Sally also has strategies that support mental health hygiene, something that can be ignored when a person experiences a spiral into burnout. Now, she's got some great credentials and has combined her 30 years plus of managing and training teams with her preventative health beliefs and expertise to deliver sustainable workplace wellbeing programs that engage and empower individuals. Sally also coaches burnt-out self-employed and professional women, yes, that's me, (laughs) to restore the joy, energy and focus for work and life. And she's a published author of a book that's called Health That Heals, Transform Your Life Before It's Too Late, and is a graduate of the Institute of Integrative Nutrition in New York. Sally's joy comes from empowering individuals and teams to create what she terms work and life in synergy. And so I'm so proud to have you on the show, Sally, because I think we've been trying to line this up for a while. So welcome to the politics of everything. Thanks, Amber. Great to be here. As you say, we've been trying to get get a date locked in, so we're here. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content, and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech-savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's Z-E-N dot A-I, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. Absolutely. Awesome. Look, it's a big topic at the moment. Um, I feel like I read about burnout everywhere we go, but I imagine as a kid, this wasn't necessarily on your radar. Do you remember what your early childhood career ambitions were and what was your early career story? Funny, yeah, so true. Um, Burnout was not even a word I think many of us knew about it. <laughs> that that um, at that time. Oh, my childhood career ambitions. The first one I can remember that I was really passionate about was being a flight attendant. Um, ah, interesting. Yeah, I was very fortunate as a child to travel quite a bit. My parents were self-employed in business 
And during school holidays, we'd often go and spend time with family and aunts, uncles, grandparents. We would, you know, travel as my sister and I would travel as unaccompanied children. And I just found those flight attendants so impressionable. And they were just so kind and warm and welcoming. And that really um, excited me about being a flight attendant. I loved flying. I loved the airport. I just thought it was always such an adventure going to the airport and the whole experience. And mum and dad always used to say, you know, you have to wear your best clothes. You're going to the airport. This is a special <laughs> trip. And so it was, it was a real experience. And I think that just made such an impression on me. It always seemed um, glamorous, didn't it? Yeah. And I loved, you know, they just walked with such style and grace and elegance. And I thought, oh, Yep, I want to do that. <laughs> so I don't suppose that's where you ended up um, and perhaps, you know, do you remember, you know, in school kind of making choices about what you might study after school and kind of what your early sort of um, career was about? Yeah, look, I did end up going on to, to be a flight attendant for a period of time, which was a big achievement later on. But school, school, I've got to be honest, Amber, I was a bit of a social butterfly at school. I was not too focused. I loved helping people. If anyone needed help or needed to talk to someone, people just tended to gravitate to me. So, you know, I guess I, in essence, started kind of counselling, psychology, coaching way back then, unbeknownst to what I'd go on to do. I was always, yeah, someone that people would go to and, and confide in. So there were the seeds of the early, early career, perhaps. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But amongst that too, at one stage, I wanted to be an athlete and, you know, go to the Olympics and run 100 metres in. Oh, don't you know, we all? <laughs> oh, totally. You know, all those all those kind of impressionable things. But I think the overarching theme is I was always focused on health and fitness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, that's good. That, that doesn't all make sense. I just love finding that, you know, I guess where we can connect the dots and see where you've ended up. Look, you've had burnout three times. It's interesting that you know that it was three times. I think for a lot of us, we're not even sure when we've had burnout, when we're over it, when we're through it, how to manage it. Obviously, burnout treatment and prevention is what you talk a lot about on social media and is kind of the heart of your work. How much is burnout about our workplace versus our greater lives outside? You know, is it just about that work stress, what we do for a living, or is it very much wrapped up in, you know, I guess all the pressures of life? And I'm thinking about my own personal situation, which many women might relate to, the mother load, as they call it, you know, young children, ageing parents, businesses you know, all the things we're going through, you know, what's sort of, I guess, the, the synergy between those two worlds? Really good comment question. And it's such a big subject, Amber. Burnout is not just in the workplace. It is, it is a huge issue and finally has become talked about subject or becoming a more and more talked about subject in the workplace, which is positive that it's, you know, the, that it's being highlighted. But there is, yes, there is very much burnout associated with life. And, and that's where, you know, as you say, I've had burnout three times. You tend to notice it more retrospectively. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, it, you, you know, in the three experiences that I had, I did get to a point where either, you know, I just couldn't move anymore in the final, in the third and last burnout experience. People around you tend to go, this is really awkward, but are you okay? Because you don't look okay and you're not behaving okay so and, and that that does come from you know for, for those for those men and women that, that are you know working looking after children looking after aging parents and even if you if you don't have that life just gets so intense and I think I think we're we've got so many advantages in our modern day life but we've really really forgotten 
to simplify. We've overcomplicated things in a you know with a view to simplifying life. So give me an example of that. What 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 would you say would be a manifestation of that? So, you know, I look at my my network of of clients and friends. I think we're all on this treadmill of trying to do our best. And where I where I focus on this with um, when I'm working with um, burnout uh, burnt out people or burning out people is stop the trying. Yeah. Just go, you know, focus on what you need to do. So Amber, you want to spend time with your your children, just do it. Just do it. And I think because we constantly... It sounds so simple, but it can be very hard, I think, for lots of people to say no. I think the first thing to say no to other things, right? And that's exactly it. It's, and that's where boundary setting is one of the modules that I do a lot of work around. Boundary setting is absolutely critical. And, and just the art of saying no or yeah. not right now. Yes, I can do that, but not right now. And that's something that... I find myself still going, oh, how am I going to fit all this in? And, and then I actually go, wait a second, Sally. You don't need to do all this this week, this day, this month, this hour, whatever yeah. time frame it is. It can all be done. And what you'll tend to find is the urgent things or the things that need to be prioritised will come forward. If something drops off, it's not the end of the world. And I think a really good way to, to frame that is go, is it going to be life-threatening that's a pretty extreme example I know (laughs) yes I think sometimes we need to do that Amber to to really to really frame it into a way maybe which yeah burning platform stuff right yeah yeah just to just to really highlight what is the urgency here um you know is it really going to make a is it going to be a make or break situation for me my child my parent my business or can it wait yeah absolutely I, I think that's great advice and I think if we can just use that daily, that might help us to get to the point where we don't actually experience burnout. I love the fact your email signature has a line that says experiencing burnout isn't a reflection of your personal worthiness. It's a culture that encourages people to put work ahead of their personal needs. What's been your experience of managing, I guess, workplace wellbeing, which is our topic today, long-term as a businesswoman yourself? And I guess um, a lot of it, look, it feels like a marathon sometimes and it's that's the hard bit, I think, you know, even if you take a holiday or a break and then you come back, sometimes you feel like the load is bigger and the stress is compounded. So what sort of role, I guess, does, does workplace wellbeing have in this conversation? Workplace wellbeing, as we know, is, is changing and developing differently now more than ever. Again, my focus now is doing work, having relationships pursuing interests that actually give you joy and what do you enjoy about them. So it does take time to establish that. You've really got to refine what what you really want. You, you need to get laser-focused, really laser-focused because what I found, and that's why I've created that email signature, is that so much of our worth is wrapped up in what we do for a lot of us, if we say no to the boss or we don't actually meet a deadline or perhaps we need to just sort of, you know, take a, a break from work itself, people feel like their self-worth is wrapped up in that. And that, I guess, is the challenge for most of us. Very much so. And I think that that's why I've come up with that email signature. When I read it, it just really resonated because so much of our, our worthiness is wrapped up in, in what we do, what we achieve, 
how we deem success. I mean, you think of a social situation, you go to, hi, how are you, Amber? What do you do? It's almost the, yeah, absolutely. If, if it's, <laughs> if it's not the second question, it's the third question. And I understand that, you know, there's some people, you know, that's their way of connecting and, you know, building a conversation. I am working with uh, people at the moment, a couple of clients at the moment, interestingly, that have actually, like I did, taken time out of work. Mm. And, and how much time? Like a year? It depends. In my case, I took two years out from what I call, you know, the real world in business and, and life and working. A particular client that I've, I've been talking to, she, she was really concerned about it. She said, oh, you know, but I'm going to all these events and how do I tell people I'm not working? And I said to her, reframe it with humour. You say, I'm having a grown-up sabbatical. It's my gap year. <laughs> gap year, a grown-up gap year, exactly, because we just have to move away from being shamed because we're not working, we're being shamed because we're not saying we're busy 24 hours a day. You know, the whole busy thing is I, I actually find the, the word busy very dismissive. How are you busy? It's almost like I don't want to talk to you because I'm too busy, I'm too in my own world, I don't have time for you, I'm not interested. So um, I think really just slowing things down and, and being much more aware of the impact your behavior is having on others and making conscious decisions is certainly how I take my message into the workplace and how I apply it to myself. So ultimately health is your wealth that you say in your own words and of course they're pretty wise words because you have lived experience with burnout. I guess from a workplace point of view how do they better manage their people really who are their greatest asset to manage themselves better and not burn out because it feels like the onus is sometimes on us as individuals but if we're not in an environment or a culture where that is not necessarily celebrated but encouraged that can probably cause us more friction and more stress. Absolutely. And that's where the cultural influence is really critical. You'll see, and I see it a lot in the workplace, you get a what I call a clashing of cultures. So you've got more experienced and mature people in an organization, and then you've got more you've got the younger generation experienced and learning, but they have a very different approach to work. And that's where you get what I call this collision of, of culture. So I think there's there's so much to learn from both and, and all generations. I think there's a lot that, that we need to learn. And I think I certainly say this from, from my generation, from clients I've worked with and, and my network of, of friends. That middle generation, we seem, to, we seem to have had this work until you drop mindset. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I identify with that because... It was sort of not even negotiable and it's a struggle. I mean, I must admit, even in my own businesses that I run when I have, you know, even clients or I might have, you know, staff of a different generation, it's hard when they're like suddenly not available and you're like, but hey, when I was your age, I was, you know, doing everything, including picking up the boss's dry cleaning if they asked, you know, and it wasn't like that's not in my job description. You know, there's a, I just didn't have those boundaries and maybe that's the shame on me but I think it, it does create tension in a workplace sometimes that it's just because we come with our own individual ideology and expectations and perhaps because we did it a different way it's hard to adjust to be honest. Look I agree I agree I totally agree there there are situations where um, it is challenging and I think it comes back to communication verbal and non-verbal so I think 
where, where there is a situation like that, you know, for example, oh, can you go and pick up my dry cleaning? That's not in my job description. Yes, I understand that. However, this would really help me out. Um, and, and I think humanising ourselves in the workplace, I think for too long we've gone to work and put on this mask and gone, yep, everything's perfect and look at me, I'm immaculate and, you know, I can work hard and work till, you know, 7, 10 o'clock at night and turn up at 7 in the morning. Sure, you can do that for a period of time but that's not sustainable. That's it, isn't it? I think you have to know, you have to have had that experience. We do kind of get to your end of your tether to know that. And workplace wellbeing obviously has changed a lot over the years and obviously in the past couple of years we've all lived through COVID and there's been, I guess, more hybrid work, for example. And I think, you know, we've got these trends like quiet quitting and resigning from workplaces that people are not happy in across all generations even coming to the point where people are not necessarily threatening but basically saying if you don't let me have more balance or let me work from home a couple of days or take Friday afternoons off, I basically don't think there's a role for me here. How do you think that's been facilitated from, I guess, a workplace wellbeing point of view and do you think it's going to last? I mean, obviously there's some views that, you know, the pandemic is kind of on its last legs. We're kind of easing all our restrictions in Australia at some point some jobs are going to require people to go back to work five days a week at their workplace. What's your view on this? It, there's there's a lot of press, as, as you well know, about quiet quitting at the moment, Amber, and it's it's another one of those those words, you know, that we'll read about for I think for some time. And we've heard about quiet firing as well now. Have you? Yes, <laughs> yes, I have read a bit about that. Amazing. Um, and then quiet hiring. I saw the other day. Oh my so, goodness! Why is everything so quiet? <laughs> I know it's it's like let's just maybe they've gone through the alphabet a bit like. Um, the pandemic virus. Yeah. So quiet quitting, look, I actually believe it's been around for a long time in a different word, form, however you choose to frame it. And it's essentially been someone going, you know what, I don't want to work here anymore, so I'm just going to go stealth-like, interview, come back, and then when I have found my next job, then I'll go to, my ne- go to the new job. I think quiet quitting has been highlighted because of the talent shortage because all of a sudden we don't, you know, it, it's alarming for an employer to go, oh, my goodness, I could lose, you know, this team of my in my, my business or my firm. And not replace them as easily as you once would have, right? Like, correct. Yeah. Correct. And that I think is where there is a link to quiet quitting and the talent shortage. So it could be a moment in time is what I'm, I'm kind of thinking myself. Like, you know, the economy's in a certain place, the world's in a certain place, it's not going to look like perhaps this in two years. No, I think it's one of those um, phases, if you like. I wouldn't go far, go as far as saying it's a buzzword. I think it'll probably stick around as a as a terminology. But I think the quiet quitting too has has come out of you know forced flexibility. The whole work from home scenario. People have you know come to know that there is life beyond you know the grind of getting on the train at six o'clock in the morning and getting home at nine o'clock at night and I think there is some merit to that and I think this will all it's it's a bit like being in a washing machine it's it's going through that agitation at the moment and it will spin through and um and settle in time it's a watch the space moment I think and um as I said, look, I, you know, the economy will be in a different place. And so, you know, how many vacancies there'll be will obviously 
be opening up the borders we have now. So there's going to be more skilled migration coming back in. So the competition piece might change as well. And I think sometimes it's advantageous to take this moment to, to embrace what you can. But also I have to admit, like I'm in a different stage of life now, but if I, in my 20s, I quite liked going to the office and the social aspect and after work drinks. And, you know, I think for them it might be a bit of a loss just to be stuck at home on your device, which, you know, a lot of that generation is anyway, and, and call, you know, Zoom drinks drinks because I sometimes think that's just really quite sad, you know, and that's once again a generational kind of observation. But, you know, I think it does depend where you're at in life. And for some people they get a lot of energy out of social engagement and getting to know people beyond the Zoom meeting. So I'm just wondering if there's, you know, merit in actually having more opportunities for people to come together as well as the option to, to work from home. Absolutely. And and I'm seeing that quite a lot with the work that I'm doing in the workplace and encouraging the, the businesses that I'm working with to invite their people to come into workshops and presentations because there is nothing more valuable than that interaction and that face-to-face communication. I do think, you know, obviously we're all different personality types. There are those that really thrive, you know, going to the office every day and being with people. There are those that are perhaps more introverted who, you know, prefer to be away. But I think at least having that, what what is being known now is that psychologically safe space. So come to work and if you are an introvert, there is space for you to be on your own for a while. But you are encouraged to contribute and be with your peers um, as well because, you know, you've clearly got a role in that organisation that is integral to the, the running of the business. So I, I do see slow improvement with the um, return to the physical workplace and and again I think like a lot of these things it will just take time there'll yeah, be an absolutely. ebb and flow the great thing is I think there is much more respect for flexibility yeah um, and, and for all genders as well which correct I Absol- great. yeah yeah absolutely yeah no I agree with you on that look what types of modern workplaces do you see that are doing well overall you don't have to name names but you can if you like but when it comes to managing stress fatigue burnout and unhealthy habits are there some really innovative workplaces that you've kind of been able to work with or you've observed or heard about where well-being is their number one goal and I'm thinking it's been a long time since I've worked in corporate I've run my own entities for a number of years now over a decade but you know it used to be a bonus to leave work early on a Friday or you know have a free exercise class at lunch but that sounds a little bit tokenistic sometimes and like you said we're all individuals not everyone's going to want to do those things are there some examples where I guess well-being is really um, front and centre and it actually works well definitely definitely and I mean places that we read about too you know your Googles your Zeros they have incredible workplace well-being programs Oz Harvest is another one that I've read a lot about that said, you know, they're, they're larger names that we that we all know and some of us may, may use. There's a lot of startups that are being created by the younger management boards and um, there's a couple that I know of and I was, I was pleasantly blown away by this actually and someone very close to me said, um, I said, oh, you know, what are you doing this week? And he said, um, actually, Sal, I've got a, um, a wellbeing week, a wellbeing week. Wow. And what does that just allow them to take that time to do as they wish or is it a structured program? They take the week off and they go do as they please. It's a week that's not taken off their leave and they can they can go travel, they can go spend the week at home. They just need to look after themselves for that particular week, come back to work, refreshed, ready to get on with it. 
And that to me is that that's a you know that's on the extreme side. I wouldn't expect all businesses to do that because commercially you need to weigh that up with how the business works. But I think productivity-wise, if, if that model works for your business and your your people, whether it be one full week for everybody or it's staggered, I think that's a, a remarkable achievement for a business. There's other businesses that I know of that say you can work from wherever, whenever, as long as you are present for group team commitments, meetings, you contribute where you need to contribute and you perform to the, you know, measurement systems that we have in place. Yeah. You, you knock yourself out. You can work from London, you know, New York, wherever you the like, to the beach. Exactly. <laughs> it's got Wi-Fi. Exactly. got Wi-Fi, you can work. And if it's back of the clock, well, that's your responsibility and you manage it. You manage yourself. So mm. give us some fast, you know, quick and dirty tips. What are the best ways to achieve well-being fast if we're suddenly just feeling really burnt out but we have to get through to the end of the year because we've got that big holiday planned or our well-being week is in front of us but we're not there yet? It's it's more a re- a quick reset. There's yeah, I mean burnout isn't fixed with a fast a, a, a short fix or a um, a fast solution, but just to um, to refresh at any given time really. My my best suggestion, Amber, is to literally stop, take yourself away from your phone, your computer, your desk, wherever your workspace is, whatever your workspace is. It could be a job site for some some people. Just stop. And step away and and just take a moment to evaluate why you're feeling so exhausted, worn out, stressed out. And and it it is, it is, I know again, it's very simple, but how often do we just go, just keep. Oh, nano breaks are amazing. Mm. I just highly recommend them. So, yeah, no, I think those are great tips for people who, like you say, it won't be the overall solution if you really are burnt out, but it might help you get through the day which sometimes that's what it's about um it is yeah it is a a great one I love is if I'm really really fatigued I'll literally go and lie on the floor put my legs up on the on the wall or the the lounge wherever I am go into a meeting room I've done that in offices go into a (laughs) meeting room and close the door close my eyes for you know two to five minutes put my legs up the wall and just zone out and it's amazing how energizing that is yeah, powerful um, stuff. Yeah, sometimes yeah. It, it, those small things can help. Do you have a mentor, maybe one or two, and what kind of impact have they made in your life and career so far? I've got a, I've got a couple of great mentors actually, and they have both made a huge impact. The kind of mentors I we we do what I call a walk and talk. Probably there's no frame set frame time frame for when we catch up, but it's usually six to ten weeks. And we'll go for a walk and just run ideas by each other. And um, this particular woman has seen me burnt out. And she said, wow, you masked that pretty well. I didn't even know. Um, and But she's been a constant and, and someone that, that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, I've got an idea. Can I just run this by you? So she's a very successful woman in her own right. She um, She's a, a businesswoman, a mother. She's been in corporate. She has a very different way of, of working and, and she's a very grounded woman. So she's been a very big influence in my career. Um, there's also a manager I had many, many years ago and he actually said to me, Sally, one piece of advice I'll share with you. He said, remember, you drive your career. 
and it's it's funny you have those conversations with people and there's a there's a few little key phrases that I've never forgotten and that's one of them so when I was burnt out I thought you know what am I going to do I felt like I was starting all over again which I was and I remembered that and I just thought just just settle just be and and you will drive your career just but give for now give yourself that space to heal and and you know re-energize so if we spoken again in a year's time what would be the number one thing you would have hoped to have changed in your business or career and why I would love to see my business have put burnout on the map in the workplace particularly I'm working on the rest of it but certainly initially in the workplace to be able to take some leave and it's you know whether it's called burnout leave or stress leave or whatever it's called without shame yeah I think that would be great it's probably where we were all at even stress leave 20 years ago like mental health stuff no one talked about it right people just quit I think or just you know pretend they had the flu or something yep so that that whole leave without shame so you can actually say you know what Amber's actually not going to be in you manage it Amber's actually reached the point she's burnt out so number one you as a business you're, you're acknowledging okay we need to change some things we've got someone that's that's experiencing burnout we're proactively supporting her to get well and take some time out to nurture herself and come back into the business if she chooses to or he or she chooses to without shame yeah that's great final takeaway message for us today on the politics of workplace well-being find strategies to create a work and life synergy because balance doesn't exist yeah, you've got to find it. You've got to search it out. Look, it's been such a rich and, I guess, interesting conversation for so many of us today who must be listening thinking, oh, I resonate with that. So we will have some contact details on the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.